Tariq stood tall, radiating pride and wonder as he gazed upon a mesmerizing sight. Countless hourglasses adorned shelves that descended into what felt like an abyss without end. The divine forces had chosen him for a specific mission, and Sargus, the emissary of Kepri, was there to guide him through his newfound responsibilities. Upon Sargus's arrival, Tariq gave a slight bow as Sargus gave a nod in appreciation. I select a handful of unwavering devotees each year, tasking them with a unique duty. Their role is simple yet profound, to turn these hourglasses whenever their intuition deems necessary. Each hourglass is tethered to a life force, but isn't necessarily linked to life or death. They can be linked to anything significant in one's existence. For some, it could symbolize the duration of a relationship's longevity, or the time remaining until their physical resilience wanes. Others might find it marks the course of their quest to discover true love, or the hours dedicated to mastering a fresh skill or hobby. Tariq paused before a particular hourglass, his hand reaching out to initiate its reversal. Overcome by the spontaneous action, he swiftly shifted his gaze to Sargus, his eyes imploring as he stammered, I apologize, sir. I can't explain why, but I just felt compelled to do that. Sargus responded with a warm smile and soon transformed into a hearty laughter. (laughs) It echoes resounding throughout the chamber. Fear not, young one. You're simply fulfilling your purpose. Kepri's guiding hand led you, and that's precisely what I wish to see. The hourglass you turn belonged to an individual striving to conceive. With that simple act, you initiated the countdown to the child's birth. By the way, allow me to extend my congratulations. You have just entered into parenthood. Initially baffled, Tariq's confusion gave way to profound realization. Yes, Tariq, that is indeed the essence of your action. By the way, I am pleased to see that your extracurricular activities did not make you tardy for getting started today. Sargus quipped, his eyes twinkling with amusement. So naughty. (laughs) His gaze remained affixed on Tariq, continuing down the the path, affording the young man minimal time to to revel in his embarrassment and joy. You may not necessarily journey these halls regularly. Rather, I need you to descend into these halls, tending these hourglasses as you feel the need arise. At some point, Tariq began to take the lead traversing through the labyrinthine rows of hourglasses, and Sargus took a step back to follow. Tariq encountered two hourglasses lying on their side, their sand spilling onto the ground like precious time slipping away. As his fingers made contact, an inexplicable chill penetrated his very core. What what fate befell these hourglasses? Tariq amused out loud, his words directed almost to the hourglasses themselves. Sargus's voice broke the silence, imbued with a tinge of melancholy. Those, he spoke softly, are connected to two good friends of mine who perished in a war over a millennium ago, Sierra and Salvador Valentine. 
met tragic ends in a land known as Irisin before fulfilling their designated tasks, an action that defied Kepri as well as what their own gods had planned for them. Though I couldn't rescue them, I did manage to save their newborn child and brought her here to Assyrian. In fact, Tariq, their progeny is one of your descendants. I wanted to bring something forward because uh, I just made some very deep cuts to characters that were talked about way back in like episode 34, 35 of Fantastic Worlds, Sierra and Salvador uh, Serentine. Uh, those who didn't remember, uh, they were two stories about uh people who fell in love in Eris in the lands before in Irisin, uh, who ultimately were killed by the invading forces of Baba Yaga, uh, at, brutally murdered by the invading forces of Baba Yaga, and in fact driven crazy and mad because of it, because they couldn't stop it. And uh, when Manette had gone to consecrate the ground with the local religious figure, uh, the ghost of Sierra Serentine had whispered that her she had a child, basically, uh, and that it had survived. Uh, and that sur- that was Manette's great, 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 great times ten, like grand grandmother. <laughs> many, oh. many generations. That's so okay. cool. Okay, I was totally lost. I, yeah, I needed that recap. But it made me think, uh, one of my pet peeves in a in long episode uh, actual play podcast is when they bring up characters from episodes like 50, 60, even to the beginning of a show uh, without any like idea of reminder of who these characters are. And you just like have to go with it or you have to like like <laughs> do some research or stuff like that. So I did mm-hmm. want to bring up a few reminders of some of the characters in everyone's past. Starting with Angel, maybe, uh, do you want to talk about maybe some characters in your, like, family members, some enemies, some people that have come up in this series that you might want to remind people of so that if they come up again in the series as we finish our last two books, yeah, that people don't forget who they are? Sure. I got a couple. Well, the one that comes to mind, of course, is uh, Pykel uh, from, goodness, don't ask me for the episode number, but <laughs> uh, Pykel is a human druid. So at the age of 17 is when Abraxas kind of found himself kind of swept up with this kind of whirlwind romance. Um, you know, despite there being, you know, from different species and backgrounds. Uh, but it was their kind of a druidic connection that really brought them uh, together. And um, it basically continued until Abraxas was about 25. So the different orders of Galarian, uh, specifically the one that he belonged to, has these different uh, orders. So, for example, uh, Pykel belongs to the Order of the Fang. 
So their druidic work concerns more, um, you know, protecting beasts and revolving around kind of like beast lore, um, you know, uh, preservation, that kind of thing. Where Abraxas's journey took him through the, you know, the Order of the Frost, where that's why he he spent he spends most of his time in frigid Arctic areas, and you know, eventually became an Arctic druid. Where instead of oh, I protect all that is green, I mean, he helps. Uh, you know, he protects that. You know, the frozen wastelands, tundras, the the creatures and the environment of the Arctic nature. And as they continue to kind of go on their journey uh, as druids, that's their primary focus. So th- they started kind of um, being able to see each other less and less. And uh, soon it became just a yearly thing, whereas the druids meet for the moot of ages. They, they gather uh, for all their druidic parties, hardcore druidic parties, lots of hangovers. <laughs> uh <laughs> And so what uh, kind of what they did before the last time they were able to see each other until, you know, my goodness, years later in surprise, Arison of all of all places is they exchanged these spell focuses that are encased in amber. So Pykel in his possession for spell casting has uh, a bit of amber with like a wolf hair in it. And that is what they use as a focus when they cast. Um, well, it's basically a variant of Cat's Grace, you know, increased dexterity, the, you know, the Pathfinder spell. And uh, Abraxas now travels with him with a little uh, spell focus of, uh, it's a bear, uh, you know, bear fur, a hair of a bear in amber, which he uses as a spell focus when he casts, uh, you know, bears, bears endurance. So... Finding them, you know, much later in in Erison was definitely a a surprise for for Braxis, but that's somebody from their past who you know has not been in recent episodes, obviously, since the, they were really introduced when the party was you know newish, newish in Erison, starting kind of going through the portal. Also, uh, Pykel is a member of the Heralds of Summer's Return, uh, which is is the resistance force in Irisen. Also, I will state that we, we were doing Bear Love way before Baldur's Gate. So, oh, that's um, the first thing I thought of when it was like all the all the rage. I was like, um, posers, we've already done that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stolen valor. Uh, What about you there, Jess? Uh, What is somebody you want to bring up uh, in regards to Manette? I think someone who's really important who, like, basically hasn't come up almost at all, other than, like, brief comments in passing, is um, Hyacinth, who she met... I mean, she straight up, when she met him in Osirian, he was part of her mom's caravan, and uh, he, when she saw him, she thought he w- like Kepri was guiding her because his eyes are like matching in color to hers almost exactly. It's kind of uncanny. 
So she worried for a half second, like, oh, are we related? Straight up, they figured out quickly, like, no. Um, and they had this this teenage romance, kind of like, it's funny, you bring up Paikel, you had, when he was like 17, you know, Manette met Hyacinth when she was 16, and they didn't like fully stop seeing each other until she was like literally just a few months before she met the party. That was a huge so a huge chunk of her life was spent with him like living with him and ultimately it was just determined between them like she couldn't return the feelings that he had for her um so he's off doing divorced guy stuff um (laughs) feeling some type of way about about all that it's really funny jeremy and and uh potentially some other people who i'm actually playing him in a different game right now (laughs) Oh my god, so, so he literally is off going and doing divorced guys. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> and he's actually way more powerful than Manette. He's a he, he, Jeremy let us have some mythic levels, so Hyacinth is a mythic Ooh. bard. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, Wowza. Anyways, yeah, so he's off being super cool in Cheliax and uh, trying to get over his broken heart, but you know, he he is the entire reason she ended up leaving Osirian. He, uh, like, taught her, sort of, was a, a, sort of a mentor in the sense of, like, revolutionary action, the direct action sort of stuff she used to do with the caravan group. Um, he, like, literally was her partner and one of the most important people in her life. And so when they you know decided like we're gonna go our separate ways she was like i'll leave the caravan this is your home and he he secretly decided to sneak off without letting her know because he was like no you stay and i'm gonna leave but he knew she was so stubborn she wouldn't let him do that (laughs) so he snuck away in the night and so when she first met pippa and odessa and abraxas she was in an extremely emotional and weird state of like panicking and thinking like she was like this must be where Kepri is leading me next and this must be the way I can go find Hyacinth so when she started this entire thing her main goal was I need to like obviously saving the world but secondary to that and like very close in importance was I need to find Hyacinth and make sure he's okay so anyways that's that's the story of uh, that man oh boy <laughs> and that's uh, hot, and then, like, hot ex-boyfriend a year and three <laughs> yeah. months later here she is <laughs> Yeah, and, and of course we just went uh, had a story about Manette's hot dad, Tariq, uh, a reminder of who Sargus is. Sargus is the gentleman in the pyramid that uh, Manette, Abraxas, and Pippa met. Uh, that when they got teleported to Assyrian briefly, and they attempted to resurrect Nadia's kid from yeah, the jewel oh dust. God, no that Manette destroyed uh, because Mrs. Yeah, destroyed her child. I was just child. thinking about that. <laughs> <laughs> the other day. A little creepy, creepy doll thing. What do you yep. do? <laughs> uh, it was a creepy doll. It had to be destroyed. I don't know. I mean, obviously. <laughs> she didn't know. She didn't know. <laughs> ah, the errors of youth. The folly of youth, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, and for listeners who want to hear the lyrics to Manette's Hot Dad montage that's a la Stacy's mom, uh, feel free to subscribe to our Patreon. The lyrics are there. Angel and did such delightful. a good job. You should join Perfect. our Patreon just for that, honestly. It's worth. <laughs> but people jump on this month and then cancel this one just to grab the lyrics. So worth it, though. <sighs> 
Uh, yes, when we last left off, uh, Tariq is in Irison actually, and had just arrived to the church that uh, that got destroyed, where uh, his great <laughs> times ten grandmother uh, was born. Uh, <laughs> and we don't really know what he's going on there. He just knows that he was guided by Kepri to do so, and of course Odessa who is off doing other deeds, do's and deeds out in the end of the universe, uh, doing her own thing. Well, Manette's back with the, <laughs> the fellowship of the ladle. My wife's off doing stuff. <laughs> doing things. Logan, uh, you know, Bionni is still relatively new and by relatively new, I mean like a year and a half now, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> Uh, to the but only like a week in in game. Uh, oh, he's had oh. some pretty uh, big impact on the game? team though in that that week and a half. I feel like it's been like uh, two weeks minimum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Such a difference. Yeah. I mean, huge difference, I mean, yeah. the whole team's really been together for. I mean, Pippa and Abraxas have been together for like four months and. Mm-hmm. Pippa, Manette, and Abraxas have been together for like three, well, two and a half months because Manette was gone for a couple weeks. Oh my uh, god, that's so wow. wild. Wow. We don't trauma know each other. Really creates very deep bonds. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> real trauma conga. <laughs> I mean, but in that, but in that time, you guys have literally been together almost every waking second, except for when Manette disappeared for a while. So we need to I mean, have a odd couple like roommates episode where we're all just kind of <laughs> sick of seeing each other's fucking faces. Oh, that'd be fun! <laughs> of like, I have literally seen you every single second for the past like so however fun. long, and I'm just oh my god, I just need some time to myself. <laughs> I wish you would shut up. Just shut up. You never a, do the dishes. Or a moment where Pippa realizes she remember we did that uh Dustin, you were you were out in the hospital, so we had the uh that one off at the fair at like at Riverton. Abraxas mm-hmm. was in the background, like full on like hair combed. He was running the petting zoo as a favor for a cousin. So he was actually there when uh, Odessa and Pippo were doing their their uh, um, investigation. They just when never they had their meet cute. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but Logan, Sorry, do you have? <laughs> no problem. It was hilarious. Uh, but Logan, do you have any? Uh, I don't necessarily know if you you don't have a long range of villains and and NPCs to bring up uh, from like our past episodes. No. But in the, the time you've been here. A few have come up. Some haven't been really explored all that much. Uh, do you want to kind of remind the audience some of those characters? Yeah, I think the ones that are going to be popping up uh, more so, at least in conversation, because they're all dead, uh, is, <laughs> <laughs> is Bayani's family from, like, what? They're all thousand? dead. They're all dead. Don't uh, get attached. Yeah, yeah, don't get attached <laughs> to them. Like a thousand years ago. Um, or, you know. So. Bayani's kids were born about the same time as Manette's great 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 grandmother. <laughs> Manette, I'm your father. <laughs> I'm Manette's hot now, dad. Okay, that's the new twist. That's the new twist. Screw Bionis everything else we set up. Dad. <laughs> that should Surprise be that should be a t shirt. I'm Manette's hot dad. Sorry. <laughs> it was really uncomfortable that I hit on you when we first met, but 
It's okay. <laughs> it was the way. It was a joke. Yeah. Um, but Bayani's family from back then, he had his wife, Liska, which he s- saw recently, thanks to Pippa. Um, and then he had two children. He had his son, Kristoff, and he had his daughter, Oksana. And I think the only other person that really matters in his life would be his younger brother, who I think I've mentioned off camera, but his younger brother's name is Caballero. Again, should be long dead. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but because we haven't actually seen the body, that's true. They could we, still we be living. <laughs> yeah. Because the body would be dust after that's about true. a thousand years. <laughs> But uh, Bayani is thinking, like, you know, if, you know, his his personal immediate family might be dead, but maybe, maybe he has descendants out there uh, through his brother's lineage. And then, of course, his big rival bad guy is Baba Yaga, who, you know, killed his family. And I think that's it. God. <laughs> that's it. That's all. A lot, a lot of dead people. Minor <laughs> plot point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bayani, even if he had people he had good good situations with, it doesn't matter. They're dead. They're all dead. <laughs> See, Bayani really is an open book because everyone's dead in his life. So, so it's just starting anew. Oh, <laughs> it's all pages. Oh <laughs> Uh, yeah, and and yeah, and I don't even have any long connections to bre- reminders to make with Bayani because uh, yeah, his uh, his family is literally the people that are currently alive in in, in his group right now. Mm-hmm. Speaking of uh, alive but n- no connections, uh, Fee. <laughs> <laughs> what a segue! <laughs> Speaking of also having no family, hey. <laughs> Hey! hey. <laughs> also, flaming barbarian way before Baldur's Gate. Also, yes. <laughs> they were listening to our podcast while they were building the game, taking notes. Lots of parallel think going. Lots on. of lots of parallel thinking going on for sure. Fee, uh, uh, you don't have any necessarily long connections other than Ziggy, of course. But we all know we all know and love Ziggy because Ziggy is hilarious. Who's some some people, someone in in Fee's life that hasn't necessarily come up, but what do you say is important to Fee? Uh, so there are really only two people, um, maybe three people that are important to Fee. And you can always say redacted if you want to save them as surprise <laughs> points later on. Nah. I mean, Fee's an open book. <laughs> No, oh, don't ret- start that oh, again. We're retiring that phrase. <laughs> it's a good phrase. The listeners loved it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so just to, obviously just a few episodes ago, I mentioned or Fee had mentioned uh, that after leaving her tribe, she had she had encountered. Uh, a woman who they fell for one another, sort of literally. Her name was Iris Rose. Um, and then one morning, she just kind of woke up and Iris was gone. Um, she didn't know where. Like, all of her stuff was still there. So she's, you know, on the on the table of people to look for, right? But no tracks, no nothing. So sort of just, like, kind of wandering aimlessly, searching Speaking of her tribe, Fiad's mother. I don't know that I ever named Fiad's mother on the podcast. Her mom's name is Rhiannon. I don't really know what happened to Fiad's mom after she left 
there's there's a lot of stuff about kind of the way that Fiat saw her mother and kind of saw her mother like go from being a strong woman to being you know kind of empty and used up. I'm realizing I I have a trend. Yeah, I was to say that kind of sounds like you, Sarah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and like not used up in like a, a, a weird, gross way, but in like a just life has worn her down, sort of. Yeah. Um, the and then there is the other person that um, I don't have any information about. That is uh, Fiat's other mother, who she was trying to get to Maelstrom to find because all she knew was that like uh, she she was a extra planar being from Maelstrom who showed up one night at like you know the tribe uh, where uh, Rhiannon lived and then disappeared Um, and voila uh, Fiat was born nine months later so you know um, (laughs) stuff happens (laughs) yeah so she's like who am I where do I come from Who's my mom? I don't know. I'm, I'll get there eventually. <laughs> Somebody turned that hourglass. I was going to say that, Dustin. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Beat me through it. <laughs> but yeah, those are my people. I, I don't have very many. I don't. I was actually reviewing my notes. One, uh, Fiat, as we, as we saw at the end of the or during the fight fiat doesn't know who elvana is and has never heard of a baba yuga <laughs> oh that's yeah <laughs> uh, fia just like anyway. beating things up yeah fia's like happy to be here you know what she's got friends and they're not ziggy <laughs> she likes ziggy right but ziggy is a little bit too um uptight for her super int- yeah, I, and her she has friends that don't just disappear one day. They haven't yet. Oh, <laughs> but one did uh, betray. Fiat's only known us for a couple days. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, one did betray, and and be one racist. of us already betrayed. <laughs> well, prejudice, maybe not racist, but and then probably the messiest of all of us. <laughs> The wonderful, <laughs> the fantastic Pippa Loxley. Excuse you. Play- <laughs> <laughs> Just because it's Is true wrong, doesn't though? mean we need to level <laughs> such accusations at the my baby. Oil girl. spill of the party. Pippa Loxley. <laughs> the, am I the drama of the party? <laughs> she is the drama. She is the drama, but as we've discovered, she's not the villain. Bayani is. So. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, but she might be the villain. Now, someday. did she lie? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's telling lies right now. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay. People important to Pippa that may or may not come up. Uh, as as Pippa's a classic, she's a classic messy TTRPG character. She's got lots of parent problems. Um, one of them, most crucially, being dead mom. She's got dead mom problems. Except, <laughs> <laughs> except her mom is like only mostly dead because a sort of spirit impression of her lives inside Pippa's armband. So that would be Anefa, who you know, was a was a 
pretty wild adventure in Lassie, uh, traveling through all sorts, all sorts of uh, troubled regions in Galarian before she settled down and uh, had had Pippa, um, including Irisen, where she uh, helped uh, helped fight. Elvana, along with uh, members of the Heralds of Summer's Return, alongside alongside of Iris Rose, actually, was she? Did I miss that when you were talking? I did. Did you mention, mention that it, Iris no. was a? Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, because yeah. I totally would have lashed onto that. That's so crazy that maybe Iris Rose and Anefa met. So Anefa was a member of the Heralds of Summer's Return, and once she had kind of, like she. You know, found herself traveling outside of Irisen eventually, though, and uh, uh, happened upon this very charming halfling in Taldor, who, for whatever reason, she decided to, she just spontaneously decided to give up adventuring uh, and give up her her do-gooden ways. Uh, she may have even been on a mission for the Herald of Summer's Return and clean forgot all about it. Uh, falling head over heels in love with this innkeeper named Piro, who runs the inn, the Flying Cleric. I'm rereading my notes that I wrote ages ago. So it was inn is called the Flying Cleric, and I thought I was very funny when I came up with that one. <laughs> and she settled down with Piro and had like three children. That would be Pippa and her two older sisters. I think that I think Piro probably has been mentioned less than Anefa, almost certainly, because Anefa's actually had scenes and she and Pippa are figuring out their very fraught relationship. But Piro, like, has come out that Pippa's uh, sorcerer bloodline does come from Rakshasa's. And uh, that's opening up a lot of questions for her about what kind of person her father was. And she'll be wanting to have a talk with her mom about that at some point. So, so Piro is probably going to come up, but he's he's only been mentioned sparsely throughout the show so far. Yeah, he was kind of he was given a once-off reference in a story along about how he charmed uh, some in- some some people coming to his inn to upgrade their package to the most expensive one, <laughs> even though they didn't have the money to do it. <laughs> it's crazy how people just kind of do what Piro wants. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like as Pippa as Pippa comes into more of her own heritage, she started to be like, yeah, too crazy. It's kind of crazy suspicious how people always just kind of do what Pyrrha wants. So she's got questions. Um, the final person that I think hasn't been mentioned in a minute is important to Pippa in a way that you do not want to be important to anybody, is the person that Pippa would dearly like to hunt down and kill, which is the person that hunted down and killed her mom uh, to obtain the armband that Pippa now wears, and also was uh, Odessa's mother figure, which would be Mariusa, who is a Iriseni witch who Pippa has not yet met in person. She's only also met like the spirit version of her that exists within the armband. You did meet her son. Yes. We met her son and we met her sister who was Odessa's actual mother. But we have not met, we have not met Mariusa in person yet. Yeah. Um, And uh, yeah. So that's, those, those are, those are, those are what I'd say like outside of this party are the three most important people to Pippa at the moment that who would be likely to come up. 
Unless Dustin plans to surprise me with an ex-boyfriend from my <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! I do, I do have an ex-boyfriend written down on my timeline that I could also talk about. But unless Dustin's... Are you planning on bringing Evan into it? <laughs> I, I, well, what I thought was I, could, I was going to bring Manette's boyfriend and ex-boyfriend <laughs> and Pippa's ex-boyfriend, and they actually fell in love. Ooh, and, that's uh, cute. They, they <laughs> Sounds like Hyacinth is too good awesome. for Evan, but that's cute. <laughs> he probably is. He's a very good boy. I yeah. think all of our characters, exes slash significant others, should form their own party. So it'd be Hyacinth Polycule. and Pykel, and be Evan, and be Iris Rose, and Dang. then someone oh my being God. possessed by Liska. <laughs> I am going to bring up a couple characters that... Uh, based off of that we're kind of touched upon mainly by Pippa Abby with Pippa uh, but Odessa has some characters in her closet that even though Odessa is not here with us anymore uh, her family is very much having an impact on this game uh, still out her, fucking it up yep her dad was actually from uh, from another world uh, Victor, which uh, that will come into play in this very book. Oh, yeah, I forgot uh, about Victor. Uh, I'm excited. Her mom was captured by her aunt uh, and put into and a then prison. Replaced by her aunt, and then her, and then she replaced her mom because she was jealous of her and her relationship with Victor, uh, but hated his daughter, which was Odessa. Eventually, Victor got tired of Mariusa's bullshit and found out what she, he fucked around and found out when he found out that Mariusa is actually also a Rakasha. Let's see. So she actually ate her husband or fake husband or whatever you want to say uh, in a argument. Unfortunately, Odessa saw that as like a 15-year-old girl as a child, which probably was not the most, uh, that drove Odessa to be an alcoholic, basically. Y'all need Uh, therapy. Mm. Liquid therapy. That was that. Yeah, I think those are the big points. Wow. God, we've done a lot in almost 150 episodes, y'all. We sure have. Yeah, sure, it's been a wild yeah. ride. Yeah, we still got a lot more to go. Uh, well, not a lot more. We only have uh, two books to go because uh, we're we're just now starting into the book five. Uh, it Yay. is almost the easy. It's the penultimate episode this this season. And uh, yeah, next episode will be our last episode, and then we'll have a jaunt little six month break while we switch back over to Far Beyond the Stars, which I have to say. We're doing some exciting stuff over there, folks, as well. It's going on swimmingly. Uh, yeah, and, if you ain't uh, listening yet, you better tee-hee. start. <laughs> you start. <Tee-hee. laughs> so with that, to quickly recap where we last left off, you all had to fight. <laughs> you go to go fight Rax. Find out he is he is dead. He's been murdered by Alvana, who activates... Bayani by removing the gem gem from his chest and also an arm for some reason. Uh, And she's in the process and you guys end up having to battle Logan as big bad evil guy who, uh, yeah, he was a tough, tough, tough little battle. Scary. But luckily uh, y'all came together, got that gem put back in and 
Bayani, calm the fuck down. Depressingly, you guys looted at the what should have been a triumphant moment of a dragon's horde, but you guys were all so fucked up from that battle. It was like, yay! <laughs> uh, <laughs> you all brought with you a new ally, a nymph who was finally set free, who is now your guys's, uh, has joined you and is your chef. Uh, she is still sleeping in the main room of the Baba Yaga's hut as you guys went to the new world. Uh, but you guys started exploring this place. First off, first room, you found uh, seven dwarven skeletons uh, in gold cages who kind of gave you some clues there. Uh, you looked out the window and you saw a burned out wagon and a lot of forest. Uh, and then you went to a room that was full of confectionery delights. You all started eating the confectionery delights with the exception of Manette, who saw through that bullshit. And uh, and by the time you all stopped, you realized it was not, in fact, confectionery delights. It was an illusion. I don't think any of us really believed it was confection. It was a compulsion. None of us really wanted to, but yes we realized no we knew it was pretty obvious transparent it was a compulsion <laughs> uh your characters did however did not they they thought it was food uh <laughs> they were compulsed to believe that it was food and it ended up being maggot rotten ridden maggot food and uh three of you ended up taking on a uh, a curse, I believe it was a curse that uh, every day you have to roll and lose some points in a random ability until that curse is removed. I think one of you actually did get it removed. I think maybe Fee. Fee uh, I can't remember who. And then, uh, yes, it was called the wasting disease, I believe. Um, it's not a curse, it's a disease. I thought it was and a yes, curse you- and a disease. Because I, yeah. I had to, I have both mercies, cursed and diseased, I can remove. So, yeah, and it got it hit with three of you guys, and I think you got one or one or two of them. I couldn't remember. We'll have to check your guys' mm-hmm. notes to see where you are with that. Uh, and then you entered into a room, and this is where we will rejoin our previously left session. Golden sunlight filters through the dense forest canopy, casting its glow into the abandoned cottage through a sizable window to the northwest. Trees rise from the earthen floor, their branches penetrating the thatched ceiling above, while withered leaves cut blanket a corroded iron stove in a time-worn straw mattress. The cottage lacks a conventional doorway, its only exit a decayed doorframe to the east, entwined with lush vines that bar access to the woods outside. Dominating the southern expanse, a substantial stone fireplace commands attention. If you were less experienced, your eyes would not have caught it. But you are all no longer novices at this game. Your keen eyes quickly spotted attempting to blend with the trees. A deadly and vicious bouquet of insectile claws sprout out from horrid, from this horrid, three-legged, multi-eyed beast, staring directly at you, ready to pounce. Roll for initiative. Oh, and I forget to forget to mention, Abraxas, by the way, lost all his druidic powers. He is all human all the time. Yep. Oh wow, there's a lot of fighter feats here. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that sounds like uh, it's going to be rough. Okay, I could do this. But fun. Okay, my guy got uh, rolled a 17 and got a 22. Pippa, what'd you get? I also got a 22. Crazy. Okay. Uh, I'm going to assume your dexterity is probably high. So higher, I mean, so I have gonna... dex drain so on right now, so it's oh, yeah. a plus four. My guy, my guy, my guy. Oh, my guy's plus five. Okay, so... There you go. <laughs> uh, what did Manette get? 20. Go, Manette. Abraxas? I I had 25. Bayani? I also got 25. Nice. I have a plus six for initiative. You get a plus five for initiative. Okay, so Bayani before oh. Abraxas. Uh, and Fee, what'd you get? Fee rolled an 18 for 21. All right. Wow, you guys got... Holy crap. Everybody got above a 20 for their initiative, huh? I know. <laughs> that is wild. Yeah. As usual, I'm going last, but I actually rolled well for one. <laughs> <laughs> we, are, we are all really well rested. Just saying. <laughs> We're, we have the sugar high with so much uh, candy. We're like... Yeah. <laughs> Bayani, are you going to reco- Are you gonna get some... Get back some... Some mojo, baby. Get your mojo back and start moving in. <laughs> or I guess it should be get with some mojo, baby. Um, yeah. So Bayani, it's not doing. He's not feeling too great. He sees this ugly bug creature. He has no right arm. He sees something that he can kill, and he's going to try to kill it. So he's not even going to think about tactics. He is moving his left arm. He does a leg kick maneuver and kind of moves the remains of his right arm a little bit. And he just (laughs) gathers in some power to reduce his blast by one burn and just shoots out a sandstorm blast. So let's see. Yes. 21. He shoots and he misses. It's the, it's the loss of his arm. You notice this creature is, for its size, is incredibly nimble uh, and just juts out of the way as you, as Sandblast flies behind him. You just hear Bionic go, Aah! Abraxas, you're up. All right, I'm going to roll before I describe. Let's see here. I also, before you, while you're describing, like while Abraxas is gearing up and Bionni is missing his attack, Manette says, stay close because she's going to give y'all smiting. Let's see. Does a 37, 28, or the 19 hit? Is this just a straight attack, or is this a touch attack? Uh, These are all touch. Those would all hit. Okay, so Braxis already has his gun out, because it's the only thing that can give him comfort. He's got dried vomit, like, uh, by his stash and, like, beard. He's not feeling great. He ate a bunch of crap, which normally he loves eating crap, but this crap is upsetting his stomach. <laughs> so he's already feeling woozy. He already on the ground doesn't feel steady for him. He's used to having phantom tail syndrome where he can feel his tail even though he's not when he's in human form. It's absent. So having that lack of phantom feeling. So he's not feeling it already. This thing dodges and as it moves out of the way with its nimbleness, He's already targeting with a gun and just goes with a uh, revolver and just unloads his frustration right at it. 
And as the bullets come out of the gun, they start to glow with a kind of like a little static, uh, uh, static electricity is kind of like uh, coursing through it and a like cool mist that has kind of like that condensation breath when it's cold out, right? A little uh, uh, cold frost around it and sinks into the torso of the creature. And his eyes are focused. He's like laser focused at that thing. If somebody was waving a hand next to their face, he, he wouldn't even notice. How much damage do you do? Okay, the last one, the crit. Dang. Okay, so How? before we go any farther, you confirm the crit. It, it's 28 to confirm. Confirm, so I need to pull a critical hit card. Uh, holy crap. He's, he, he, wow. Opening solve on it. Wow. Dang, fighters are no joke. It's piercing. <laughs> uh, piercing or bludgeoning. Nailed in play. Double damage and target cannot move unless it makes a DC 20 strength check. It cannot move. It is frozen. You, you hit, it, you hit something and it just stuns it from moving. Like it's just stuck there. Uh, and as the final bullet hits, He's like, just like staring at it, focusing all his anger because he's super pissed still. And uh, he brings his gun up and is just like staring at it. And total that it took was 116. Wow. (laughs) Damn, son. Where'd you find that? He's like, (laughs) (laughs) damn. (laughs) Oh, my God. All right. I'll stay back. He's not even looking at Manette, but definitely heard her. Is like, okay, I'll keep my distance. <sighs> uh, <laughs> and that's and basically, like- as his turn end, he's still just kind of just breathing deeply. And again, it's just that rage that he's feeling, but also like that cold comfort of this metal in his hands. Y'all got some anger to burn off. <laughs> <laughs> and as he finishes his turn... He's feeling badass. He tilts his head to the side and just vomits some more of that candy crap. (laughs) (laughs) And he puts his eyes back at the creature going, fuck. Because he he tried to feel badass, but he feels sick to his stomach. It's the creature's turn. You see this creature mumble some incantation in uh, what I think Manette would identify as draconic. And the next thing he knows, he appears. He teleports right in front of Manette. Creepy. Mm. Ayani understands what he says, by the way. Because of my scholars, right? Yeah. It's oh. just an, incant- <laughs> it's an incantation. It translates to, I was over here, but now I'm yeah. over here. <laughs> <laughs> Very arrested development. <laughs> And uh, I need everybody in uh, this region to roll a will save. So anybody less than a 22, who was who would that be? Me. This creature seems to be directing its ore specifically fiercely at Abraxas as you are now feeble-minded. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. Oh. I rolled bad. Oh. oh. I'm also feeble-minded. Oh, shit. Oh, Manette is oh, also dear. feeble-minded. So I want you two to act like Bionni, only dumber. Wow. Okay. I was like, wow. Well, wow. The thing is. <laughs> rude. Well, also, the thing is, Bionni is also hot. So you cannot. You, well, I would argue a Brack would have been pretty odd, too. Intelligence the, the, their up. charisma drops to one, which oh. means they also. Hey. Yeah, it's intelligence yeah. and charisma. 
guess whose shit is all based on charisma? Paladin's oh, <laughs> Not me. <laughs> so anyway, uh, and it can it attack? I'm trying to. Th- I, I I think mm-hmm. the I feel like it's done enough. <laughs> the aura, it, the aura Paladin is just the natural move. ability. That that's just from being in its sphere of influence, basically. I'm gonna say it's used all its actions. Then. Uh, Yay! So that its that's turn. good. It's Pippa, good opening salvo just to move in our area. Two of your friends have gotten really dumb and look awfully ugly to you. <laughs> <Just kidding>. <laughs> <laughs> is um, licking I mean, the vomit from his mustache, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Angel, that makes me want to throw up. (laughs) (laughs) The dumbest and grossest thing I could think of. That's (laughs) disgusting. Congratulations. That's so gross. (laughs) Um, Yeah, what, 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 like, are there any immediate things that Pippa would notice about the two of you or because it's only a couple of seconds that's Roman knowledge arcane this happened okay um that'll be a 25 sorry okay. that's a lie a 15 that'll be a 15 I gave myself an extra 10 I did not deserve <laughs> you know that creatures like this often have ores that uh, produce uh, things like the feeble minded spell mm. um you know that if, if like Abraxas or Manette were to get outside of that aura, that they would have a chance to roll against a will, basically re-roll their will save. And if they pass, they are immune for 24 hours like the rest of you are. So that is one option is to move them out of this aura. You know, Pippa is already feeling shaky, unsettled, kind of like she just wants to sit down and cry. And they come in here and they immediately get attacked. And, you know, Abraxas is licking his own vomit out of his mustache. And that's a bad sign. And uh, she's just going to, she's pulling out all the stops on this one. So I'm going to use one of my, one of my gems to quicken, to quicken spell. I'm going to uh, use Argentae to deliver Dimension Door to Manette and Abraxas. So the way, so I'm, I'm having my familiar deliver this spell. Uh, so the way I'm, I'm envisioning it is one gem flashes. She reaches down. She strokes Argentea on Argentea's back. Argentea probably just like purrs and like does that like arch back into it thing, Katsu. I'm so <laughs> eloquent today. Another gem flashes and Argentea darts uh, forward and puts, puts, one of her like dainty little back paws on Manette's shoe and then stretches out cat-like and places another paw on (laughs) Abraxas's shoe and whisks them out of the aura. Oh, kitty. (laughs) (laughs) So both of you uh, get out of the aura. So you get a chance to re-roll your will save. So tell me what you get. 26. Abraxas, you are clear of the enfeeble-mindedness, and you are now immune. 30, 34. Oh Damn. <laughs> you all are now clear, but I am going to move you off, off screen because you are now more than 30 feet away in the other room. So. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, oh. He's just with the vomit he's been up. <laughs> Uh, 
Yes, all that you see remaining is a puddle of Abraxas's vomit on the ground. Thank you. Does Pippa have any other uh, things she'd like to do? Yeah, one of the reasons I used Quicken Spell was because I, I had already planned what I wanted to do this round, and I'll be damned if I give it up just because, you know, <laughs> Abraxas is being disgusting. <laughs> Pippa will point one finger at the Demogorgon and say, like, today is not the day for this. And kind of wags her finger at him and casts <laughs> Scorching Ray. <laughs> I like the idea of your Scorching Ray being an admonishment, like, uh-uh-uh. Scorched. Not, not to fucking day. <laughs> scorching Ray. <laughs> oh, that's that might ruin my entire thing, but we'll see. Um Hero point. Oh, Hero point. No. Oh no, it's like before. I keep forgetting. Yeah, I have I would have had to have declared it beforehand. Um that is going to be a 18 against touch. That will be a hit. Hooray. I love touch spells. <laughs> they save me every time. <laughs> I'm also declaring this to be my one impromptu sneak attack for the day. Okay. Um, and I calculated the damage beforehand, and so that's going to be 50 points of fire damage. Ow! Does that end Pippa's turn? <laughs> it sure does. All right. Fee, you're up to bat. Uh, five foot step. Uh, and I'm going to make a full attack. Ooh. Nice. All right. So... Also, uh, just 10 points away from each hit. Uh, adamantine overcomes damage resistance. Oh. Boo. Yeah. So from attack to attack, we've got a 35 to hit. That's a hit. Okay. A 38 with a crit threat. Uh, and then a 25 to confirm. 25 does not confirm. Okay, and then uh, 29 on that third attack. A 29 does hit, so that is three hits. Okay, or yeah, three hits. That is going to be a measly 88 points of uh, slashing damage. Baby damage. Goodness gracious, that's a big old (laughs) chunk. Under 100? Wow. (laughs) I, I don't even know what to say about myself. I'm I'm going to have to go into the corner and just, you know, self-flagellate a little bit. Shame. Shame. Really reflect on it. Yeah. <laughs> Think about what I could do better. Your hands are sticky from the candy. The candy, it's like sticky, like stickiness <laughs> on the uh, on your bardiche. Oh. Gross. That candy room is gross. Assuming Fee is done with her turn. Yep, that is her turn. Uh, Manette, last but not least, with her 20 initiative, what would she like to do? Recovering from Manette. the depths of the stupidity. Yeah, Manette has never felt more, like, wrong-headed in her life. She was kind of swaying on her feet, and then she suddenly tenses up and snaps into, out of it and shakes her head. And then she, like, wipes some drool off of her chin. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, as a free action, I'm going to activate my boost at boots of haste. So she clicks her heels together and she's like, let's try this again. Uh, and she's going to go rushing into the room 
sort of... I know Bionia is usually flying, so she's kind of standing between all of you <laughs> in a weird way. She's also mm-hmm. not technically four squares, you know. <laughs> you know the deal. Anyway. Just so you know, the room is not all that high. Like, Manette, you can't jump. Let's just say this way. that you, So... So there's not a lot of height in this room. She's probably stooping a little bit. Well, not stooping because, I mean, she's only 16 feet tall. Like, most ceilings are higher only than that. Only 16 feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> she's only huge. Um, no, yeah. So she she comes rushing in, spear at the ready, shield up, and she starts slamming her, her spear on her shield. I know this is probably... We probably already have it close to dead, but I'm still not taking any chances at this point. And I want to give you guys every advantage we can because that was a nasty thing it did to me earlier. So she's slamming her spear on her shield. And all of you within 10 feet of me, sorry, Abraxas, can now use my smite. So you will get a plus five to hit on top of uh, Abraxas's plus two. Nice. You will also get a plus 12. Actually, I think you get my plus 12 on damage as well. Um, so yeah, I'm going to now you make sure you use it before my next turn. Ho- hopefully it'll already be dead by then anyways. But Manette is going to point her spear at Gordon and <laughs> declare Gordon her target of smite and take her one attack. I love to be a paladin sometimes. And I'll, you know what, just for the fun of it all, I'm going to power attack as well. 29, because I didn't include Abraxas' bonus, so 29 to hit. 29 will hit. And is he an evil outsider? He is definitely an evil outsider. Okay, so I do additional damage, I believe. 47 points of damage from my Dragon's Bane returning spear. This is all good damage, and it's all bypassing VR. And I think that's it. Is any of that fire? (laughs) No. Okay. No. Okay. It is looking pretty beat up, but it's still awake. still alive. (laughs) Not for long. It is the top of the round, and Bayani is back up to bat. Will Mm. he redeem himself yet? Yes, hopefully with all those pluses. Uh, Bionic takes a five foot step forward into the air, however it does it. He's just kind of constantly hovering, so he just boot scoots up next to Fiat. And um, (laughs) as he moves closer where the remains of his right arm was, if you look closely, you start to see this. You start to see the air compressing around it. And if you are familiar with Kamala Khan from the comics, not the TV show, he just creates this big arm, just yes. big inflatable fist. Because what he's doing right now is he's using a kinetic whip. So it's a melee weapon. So it's Ooh. so his air blast is being treated as a melee weapon. So I can use Angel's Smart. plus two. And I have reach. And it just goes Vroom, and slams it down at this. Uh, and he's my smite whatever. <laughs> I use Manette's thing. give yourself another plus five (laughs) excellent okay so it's plus this better hit because i have plus 12 for me plus that could be the title of the the episode i use manette's thing i use manette's thing (laughs) manette do the thing right i have plus 19 that's better that's better (laughs) that's a natural one no you're joking 
That is so annoying. That's really <sighs> unlucky. Bayani just does that big fist, and this is the first time he's using it. He has no arm there. It's just oh, solid that's air. Right. And he slams oh. it down and completely whiffs. And what happens, Jess? Okay, so this is melee. Do you want melee or natural? You have... Uh, it'd be melee. Melee? Okay. On the receiving end, oh, God. Uh, the attack deals damage to you instead of the target. Oh, shit. Ah, God. Perfect. That that's sucks. not good. That <laughs> sucks. Okay. Well, you're not evil upset. anymore. I'm not evil anymore. So you anymore. won't take additional <laughs> damage from that. <laughs> that is true. So, uh, yeah, I guess Bionni's whip hand snaps back and cartoon-like just punches him in the face. Oh. <laughs> uh, that's going to be 6v6. Woohoo! 35 points of damage. <laughs> Ow. Bludgeoning. Does that end Bionni's turn? Yes, it does. Abraxas... You are way out in the other room, about 50 feet away from the Demogorgon, Gorgon. What would you like to do? I'm going to use my full 20 feet of movement. Man, I'm slow. To get within 30, 30 feet of it. He, you know, <coughs> spits out some more of that vomit, nasty taste in his mouth. Uh, he's out far from the people uh, you know, his pack, he's used to being a pack hunter. He's a little far f- from them, but he's only got himself to depend on. So he's going to level his guns like, all right, motherfucker, you like messing with people's heads? <laughs> I'm going to mess with your head. And I'm going to do a targeting shot at their head and hope I hit. Yes. Uh, so that's a 26. That is definitely a hit. Okay. So they're going to be confused for one round. Unless they're immune to a mind-affecting effect. 23. A 23 is also a hit. No, I mean, that's the damage. So as the... I'm picturing the bullet slowly just hit the side of their head. Like, yeah, I do like them apples. Oh, I'm just thinking about food. (laughs) And then just immediately throws up again. (laughs) And he's not used to feeling sick to his stomach. Yeah, he's like, oh, my tubby. <laughs> okay. So uh, does that end Abraxas' turn? Yep. Okay, it is Gordon's turn. Let me roll a percentage die here. And I rolled a 5%, and on the table that I'm looking at for confusion, 0 to 1 to 25 is axed normally. Ooh. So I uh, pissed off at the thing that did the most damage to him, which is this stupid little horse girl right in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> he is going to go out on a full attack. And boy, does he get a lot of attacks with all his arms. I'm the best person to take those hits. That is very true. Okay. And the first one is a 28. Does that hit? Yes. The second one, it was a 38, which hits. The third one was a 39, which hits. And that's a critical threat. The fourth one was a 7 or for a 28, which is another hit. And then the last one, oh, 25. Does a 25 hit? That is a miss. Okay. So four of these hit, and uh, one was a critical threat. So let me roll to see if he gets the critical confirmation, which is a 38. That is a confirm. So if you want to give me a critical hit card. Pinhole. Double damage and one bleed. Target takes one additional bleed each round until healed. Uh, Okay, so just the non-crit damage is uh, 20 points of damage. And then the one crit is 36 points of damage. And then 
This character also, when it gets two successive hits, gets rend damage on top of that. So that is... Rend is due. It's the end of the month. So that's an additional 20 points of rend damage. And when it succeeds on hits, it also gets a cleave. So it's going to attack Bionni. Does a 23 hit Bionni. Yes, I have shit AC, and then I got dexterity drain. I have AC of 22. We hit me. <laughs> okay, so that Dang. for Bionni, it's not much damage. So 12 points to Bionni. That ends its turn. Bionni, you're up. No. Pippa. Oh, uh, no, Pippa, you're up. <laughs> it is definitely not Bionni's turn. Um, I wasn't going to trot this one out yet, but... That thing is very scary and just did a very scary amount of damage to all of Pippa's friends. Uh, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna use my new spell that I got. So Pippa, um, especially like you know, energized with with Manette's own like divinity uh, and ability to yeah. smite evil things, Pippa also begins to just glow with this white hot inner fire. And it just begins to build out of her until she's got these like silver flames starting to come off of her skin. And she strides, she just runs forward to stand to Fiat's right and thrusts both of her hands out and a cone of white hot star fire blazes out of her palms in a 30 foot cone that she will carefully aim away from her friends and just catch the Demogorgon. This, uh, yeah, this is a fifth level spell called Starburn. That sounds Ooh. awesome. It's not an attack roll. Dustin, roll me a reflex save. Does a 21 pass your... Uh, it does not. Ooh. <laughs> I'm finally getting into yes. the good sorcerer spells. <laughs> So actually, you will take full damage. Um, I'm also going to burn another one of my gems because I just remembered they're here, and why not? I'm following the angel philosophy. Burn Uh, those babies. (laughs) Oh, do I still have that? I'm getting rid of it. Uh, So I'm going to be uh, putting my full power into the spell so that you take the maximum damage, (gasps) which is 40 points of damage. (laughs) When you're done casting a spell and the brightness fades, there's nothing left. There's just dust. (gasps) As you have eliminated Gordon's the fish stick guy. (laughs) (laughs) Pippa's just standing there with her. Like she's literally the, she's the smoking halfling at the moment. (laughs) And just like, just big ragged, like breaths of like, (sighs) (sighs) Are y'all okay? I think I got it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Puff, puff, you really did. I just... (laughs) I want one day. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. uh, I have a question. Okay, so... I know I've not been here long. And you say you want one day. What is this place that you live in that you just... You wake up and suddenly you're eating rotten candy and and then faced by this fucking colonizer here. Like what's well, the- well, well, to be in 
uh, a gayest servant of Baba fucking Yaga, who she just likes to torment the people who work for her, in addition to everybody else she knows. And this is why she has no. to die. <laughs> Oh, in case you haven't noticed, uh, Baba Yaga is a horrible, evil, wretched creature. And, you know, this is uh, her house. So Okay, so um, you keep saying Baba Yaga. I, I can't remember. Look, I I don't always have the best memory or attention span. Um, did you tell me what exactly a Baba Yaga is? Uh, remember, they're the witch from legend. And by legend... All of them. Growing up, did uh, did anybody ever tell you like a spooky uh, story where there was a witch or a mysterious enchantress or a spooky neighbor? It's them. It's always them. Uh, it's kind of like a patriarchy sure. thing, like spooky lady with power sort of thing. Oh, right. She's the one who killed Bayani's family. Right. She is a bad person. <laughs> By the way, the whole time Manette is standing there rubbing her hands together, and then she reaches out and touches Fiad and Bayani. Um, while this is happening, I will just say that Bayani is boring eyes into Pippa until Pippa notices. Okay, because I was going to say who is pointedly not looking at him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but- <laughs> and he's just waiting. He's waiting for her to look at him. Like she, she is. She's while while Fiat is going like, oh right, the people who like mm-hmm. she, they killed they killed Bayani's family. I I got it. Um, Pippa, that is when Pippa will briefly like her eyes will flick over in Bayani's direction. He just goes, thank you, and looks away. Uh yeah, you know, sure, anytime. <laughs> <laughs> Incinerating people, it's what I do now. Apparently, anyway, uh, let's get out of here. This place sucks. You guys want to search the room at all? No. Yes. Yeah, sure. Bayani oh. is purposely <laughs> looking at uh, the wall. <laughs> Abraxas is just kicking at the ashes and just... Uh, he hates everything right now, so he's just not even nothing. Does my second go away, by the way? Oh, feed you're feeling under the weather? Uh, hold on. Uh, so Abraxas brings out of his pouch or his bag a scroll of remove sickness uh, he's taking a look at it like he normally does, making sure he's getting the syllable right, and is just doing the minus if anif us if oh, and he puts his hands towards you, and he's just like, hmm. oh, and he just crumples the scroll up and just throws it and puts his hand in the air and just walks away to the corner of the room. Yeah, Manette is kind of she's healing Bayani and Fiad, but. She stares after Abraxas and she's like, uh, <laughs> you okay, Abraxas? It's a damn scroll. It's, it's, it's already stored in there. I only have to read it and, uh, it's a damn scroll. I know. Uh, oh my gosh. Oh. I don't know how we folks do this. You just go around walking around like this. Uh. I can barely smell this charcoal body, and it's ten feet from me. (laughs) What body? Oh, oh, the the ashes. It just (laughs) everything's so blah. There's nothing. There's no color. You know what? It's what it it is. What it is. It's I'm. You folks do your thing. I can't do anything over here. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna stand against this wall. Hope it doesn't attack me, or that I don't try to eat it. And 
I'm just going to wait right here, you folks. Just do your thing. I don't know, Manette. Does the scroll work for you? I I, I have no clue. I maybe I should have. I, I don't know if I ruined it. Fiat, sorry. Well, As he's like across the room. It's it's all right. Uh, actually, I'm feeling quite quite better already. I'm so it's it's okay. <laughs> and then she just like leaves it. Yeah, as soon as Manette is done healing uh, Fiat and Bayani, she kind of walks over to sulking Abraxas and puts a hand on his shoulder. Um, and she's like, do you mind if I tell you something? Yeah, go ahead. I don't want to say I understand exactly what you're going through, but I'm, <laughs> I'm sure you understand very well by now that I'm not a normal paladin. And the truth is, I'm not normal in more ways than one. Uh, the mark on my shoulder. And I think there's like a dawning horror because she hasn't realized until now that it was gone. And she looks and she's like, she kind of does the wide eyes at it and then is like, well, we don't have time for that. (laughs) (laughs) So she clears her throat and she's like, uh, well, the mark that used to be on my shoulder. Okay. Well, um, figure that out later uh (laughs) it it meant i was born with kepri's favor which i hope isn't gone doesn't seem to be gone but um it was etched into me from birth and it's not a superficial mark i was able to channel the divine spark of my god in small ways even as a child and my mentor pav used to mockingly call me the chosen paladin because of that so, though I knew I would never be like all the shining knights of Yomade or Saren Ray, I thought myself special in my own way, and I took it for granted that I would always have Kepri's favor. So I'm sure you can imagine how devastated I was when I awoke one day to find myself unable to even knit my own wounds. And this was years ago now, but it happened multiple times. And on those days, I would pray and cry and beg... And Kepri would not answer me. I couldn't touch that divinity that had been inside of me my entire life. And each time when I stalked through camp, just defeated and filled with so much anger and betrayal and hurt, my people looked at me with pity in their eyes. And it made me fucking furious, Abraxas. So I I know you must, must be mad right now. You must be angry with all of us. And uh, it's with best intentions that we all try and make you feel better. But I want to tell you something that my partner told me back then. It's okay if you're not okay. It's okay if it just hurts and if you're angry and frustrated and lost. It doesn't matter what else is happening. You don't need to be strong for our sake or for the sake of the mission. Least of all, for Baba Yaga. Please give yourself the grace you deserve. And let yourself grieve what you have lost. We're your pack. We'll always be here for you. That's probably the first thing that gets to him. Because he's been feeling nothing but loss and rage. And, oh, you're going to get cool powers. And that kind of like trying to make him feel better, like you said, just pisses him off. And he doesn't want that from anybody. He just wants that connection he he wants to feel comfortable in his skin again and just having that be pissed off be upset and then also a reminder that he's with his pack 
is probably the first time he allows himself to be okay to say, yeah, minute, uh, then I just want to be a bit alone for a bit then without anything else. I'm Absolutely. just going to, I'm just going to sit here. And if, if you can take care of everybody else, I- I'm just going to sit here. Then that's what I need. And he's yeah. going to do that. Like his, the back, his back's against the wall, slink down, kind of knees up the best he can wearing his armor do that thing where you know people put their arms on the top of their knees he's gonna just gonna put his head down and he's just gonna just sob and just kind of be miserable by himself and let himself be miserable knowing that you know Manette's gonna stop folks from coming over to try to comfort him yeah she just gives his arm a squeeze and walks away and then kind of makes a gesture at everyone like with both hands like "Eh, leave him leave him for a bit (laughs) (laughs) which I think uh that's good that you did that because like now that Pippa's kind of calming down, uh, like she was, you can see like that she's kind of like hovering, hovering anxiously, like <laughs> kind of like about to go into mom mode and not like <laughs> space giving mode. About <laughs> Pippa's probably not all that great at giving space when. She, when... Nope her her go her go to is to smother the sad person with mm-hmm. affection until they feel better. But sometimes that's more about making her feel better. You know the way mm-hmm. the way that do be sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so with yeah. so Manette kind of waving her off, kind of she she kind of takes a deep breath and like. Okay, who can I help? <laughs> and uh, <laughs> unfortunately, I don't even think Bionic's paying attention to you, Manette. I think he's just pointedly looking at a wall. <laughs> yeah. Not, yeah, we're all taking well, as long as he's not. I mean, he's having his own time alone that sh- I'm sure she's <laughs> respecting as well. She's kind of looking back and forth, like, okay, these two need to <laughs> go do their thing. <laughs> Meanwhile, Fiat is just like scrounging around the room looking for whatever there might be of interest in here. <laughs> Look, th- here's the thing like, I am really loving playing a character who is so emotionally like disconnected, uh-huh. <laughs> which is so completely absent. <laughs> <laughs> who I am in real life like it's like oh you're sad it's a nice break cool <laughs> <laughs> Fia's the only one exploring doing perception Fia's finding all the stuff the rest of us are all like <laughs> uh, so Fia, Fia here's what you find here's what you find in the room uh, you actually find a a tan bag of tricks Ooh. Oh, those are fun six uh, cure serious wounds potions and 2500 gold Look at all this gold. I'm imagining that Pippa just like walked up to to Fiat because like Oh you're the only person in the room that she feels might be in any way receptive to her energy at the moment. <laughs> Maybe Manette. <laughs> but uh she really she was like, you know what? Fiat's looking through bags. That always that's that's good. I'm gonna go help with that. Yeah. So she would definitely be picking through stuff next to you. So Braxis being sad boy in the corner, uh, Manette ru- playing referee or playing goalie or whatever the term is, uh, Bionni being moody boy in the other corner, uh, <laughs> and uh, Fee being the, the gold digger, and uh, <laughs> Pippa just going wherever somebody seems to vibe with her. <laughs> That's where we are right now as a team. So I think a little bit of time passes because you got to heal up. 
if he's feeling better, maybe um, hopefully Abraxas and Bionni are getting into the mood to start moving forward. Um, would you like to continue on? There's really only one exit forward in this room, unfortunately. I mean, Pippa's definitely ready to get fucking out of this whole house. So would you say Pippa peeks, in, peeks into the next corner or or would you all go together? Mm, I, I was going to say Manette is she's corralling because she wants to make sure people aren't doing things reflexively. Yeah. I think <laughs> she's like, like, Hey, remember yeah. if there's compulsions, you know, you should let me go first. I think Bayani normally would be in the middle, but he sees Pippa and then he's going to purposely walk forward with Manette <laughs> and be by your side, Manette. Gotcha. Y'all are walking into the next room. And this room actually seems kind of boring for Baba Yaga standards. It's a circular room, wood panels all the way around, and just four candles lighting up the room. And that's it. And then there's there's two doors. Mm, I don't smell any evil. You do not smell any evil. I don't smell anything at mm. all. <laughs> I look around the room and I roll a 34 on my perception. Ooh, it is a nice very perception. round room with four candles. It's just candles. I oh, damn, got thirty. I bet the candles are gonna mm-hmm. give us magical blindness uh, or something like that. That's, that's what I think. It's actually kind of funny as you say that, Abraxas, because the room starts getting very, very bright, and as it gets brighter, Pippa, it kind of reminds you of the white room, but you don't go to the white room. Instead, you start to see a memory. The Aurora Borealis blazed vividly for over 12 hours, casting such brilliance that it could have been mistaken for the sun's radiance. While many reveled in this extraordinary spectacle, an oracle had forewarned the Olfen kings that it would usher in a frosty devastation upon a portion of their realm. The oracle's prediction proved accurate, as within days their kingdom was rent asunder by relentless advances of Baba Yaga's troops into the land now known as Irisin. In response to this dire crisis, the Olfen kings, gripped in panic, beseeched the Fey residents of the First World for the powers necessary to defeat the overwhelming odds confronting him. The Fey agreed to provide aid but on the condition that they receive a tithe of 1,000 children to be transported to the first world in exchange for that newfound might. Thus, a pact was struck, and two, Ulf- two of Olfen's most trusted advisors embarked to meet within the emissary of the first world, world's fae. The Taroski siblings exhibited little concern as they led the children into the enigmatic mists of the first world. When a child clung to the younger Taroski sibling's leg, she just brushed the child away as if discarding mud from her boot. Both siblings eagerly advanced towards the Fey ambassador, their excitement palatable at, at the prospect of obtaining such a potent artifact. With an air of irritation, the Fey raised his hand as if to calm the two siblings, and then intoned in a monotone voice, In accordance to our agreement, 1,000 chick children for these magical artifacts. The Fey's assistants opened a pair of ornate boxes revealing a circlet adorned with a sizable blue diamond and an intricately crafted comb bedeckened with numerous gems. 
As the siblings reached out to touch the artifacts, the box lids abruptly snapped shut, narrowly avoiding their fingers. The older sibling exclaimed, How dare you? You nearly severed my finger! Undeterred by their outburst, the Fae continued, These items possess considerable individual power, but it's the amalgamation that will forge a weapon potent enough to rout the armies of Baba Yaga. However, I must caution you that only the ultimate bearer should make contact with these items, for those of the bloodlines who touch them while their power is at its zenith will be will forever be compelled to reclaim them if lost. The strength of the compulsion varies depending on the bloodline. Therefore, exercise caution in selecting who handles the Fae couldn't even finish his sentence before the, the siblings took the boxes and ran off. It took them a full hour of travel to succumb to infighting over the artifacts. The younger sister savagely beating her elder brother, her adrenaline-fueled frenzy culminating in her collapsing from her injuries. Amidst a fading commotion, a pair of eyes cautiously peered from behind a rock. Soon, a diminutive halfling, shrouded in a heavy winter garb, cautiously approached the battered siblings. Initially intending to offer aid, her attention was captured by the glistening object clutched in the younger orphan's woman's hands. Suppressing her temptation, the halfling, Jell, chose to assess the siblings' conditions instead. Witnessing signs of recovery in the younger sister, Jell quickly altered her course, liberating the comb from her grip before retreating. Isadora Taroski awoke to observe the short figure disappearing into the forest. As they fled, the backpack was embellished with a tag inscribed with the Herver name, Pippa's maternal lineage. Late lacking the strength to give chase, Isadora redirected her focus to the object now in her hand, realizing it would have to suffice, at least temporarily. The Fae harbored an inward chuckle, sensing the calamity that had befallen the bumbling siblings. Shifting their attention to the final batch of children venturing into the mist, they suddenly felt a gentle tug at their robe. Their gaze settled upon two children gazing up at him. A smile graced the face features for the first time as they addressed the pair. How may I assist you? One of the children inquired about their father's airhouse, believing he was close behind. The face grin widened, and they responded, Ah, yes, your father is indeed following. Remind me of his name in case I encounter him and need to guide him to, to you. Bayani! Bayani Mavros! Excellent! Why don't you two step inside and wait? It's quite chilly out here. Inside you can warm up and there is mountains of candy for you to snack on. The Fae gesturing towards the mist. Oksana, the older of the two, smiled back. Thank you, Mr. Fay. As they proceeded in, regrettably the children vanished from sight. Although pale warriors occasionally emerge mere shells of humanity, escorting and safeguarding the Fae on their journey to distant realms. And as you are reliving this memory or this, this, it's not even necessarily a memory. It's just a, it's just a history of the comb. Your mother so brightly protected the light fades and all of you get your sight back in the room. And there you see almost burned into the walls are shadow figures of each of you. And you stare at the shadows and they're like, they look like they're burned in. Yeah. And then you look at them and then they move. And then they, it's like almost they look at you for a second and then they dart off. 
The Fantastic Worlds podcast is a fantastic production. Thank you for tuning in. If you're a fan of the show and want to connect with other members of the FWP community, you can join the conversation on Discord and Reddit or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In addition to the Fantastic Worlds podcast, we also produce two other shows, Far Beyond the Stars, our space opera featuring the Fly Free or Die Adventure Path, and Fairy Tale Fix. All those links to everything I've mentioned can be found on our website, fantasticworldspod.com. I am Dustin, your uh, story-ridden GM, throwing out all the connections today. <laughs> you can find me at Dustin Alexander on the Sokial Media. Uh, I'm Abby. I'm glad that I gave everyone a primer at the top of the episode about uh, Pippa's lineage, uh, because that man, that really turned out to be super relevant by the end of the episode. That was really fun, kind of seeing the origin story. Dang. All right. Anyway, y'all can find me at Bonanza Famine. Just just churning over all the new info I just got. Uh, this is Angel. Pew, 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 pew. Red tat tat guns. Um, fantasy guns, though. Uh, I can be reached at Espinoza916. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> this is Jess. You can find me at Hank the Clank. Uh, this is Logan. Just realizing that Bayani's children were not murdered by Baba Yaga, but something far worse happened, it sounds like. Uh, you can find me at MainMan08. <laughs> This is Heidi, uh, playing the emotionally unintelligent Herbo Fiat. <laughs> um, uh, you know, you can find me at Vamahillion on Twitter. As an independent podcast group, we rely on support of listeners like you. If you'd like to help us continue creating amazing content, consider becoming a patron on our Patreon at fantasticworlds.cash. The theme song of our show was composed and performed by the amazing Amy Hawkinson. If you enjoyed this episode, please please consider sharing it with your friends and family who think may enjoy it as well. Although I recommend sharing other episodes because they might be confused because there's a lot of callbacks in this episode. What <laughs> uh, a lore associated with this one. <laughs> until next time, have many fantastic adventures. Boo doop boop ba doop boo. Boop clown. The Fantastic Worlds podcast is a Fantastic Worlds production and an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. The Pathfinder Adventure Path Reign of Winter is a trademark of Paizo, copyright 2013. All Paizo content in this podcast is used with permission. Point one finger at the Demogorgon, the Demogorgon and say like, <laughs> Demogorgon. <I>, Demogorgon. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Gordon. I'm here to kill you. <laughs> I'm here to kill you. I was looking more Gordon Ramsay. <laughs> it's fucking wrong. I was thinking. I was thinking a commissioner Gordon from Batman. And there's so many Gordons. So many great Gordons. Gordon's fish stick guy. So she, she raises. She raises her hand. She points at the demogorgon. Damn it! I can't say it another way now. The demogorgon. <laughs>
I'd like to point out for the listeners at home that Dustin, I believe, has changed the icon for the Demogorgon <laughs> to the fisherman from the yeah. Frozen Fish brand. The oh, one in the rain slicker of it's yellow. It's the Gordon's Fish Stick guy. <laughs> the Gordon's Fish Stick. Okay, there we go. I was like, I don't remember the name, but I recognize that white man. That's great. <laughs> I recognize that white man. I recognize that white man, and I am afraid. Kill this colonizer is the new, is the new game. Uh, well, Fee is going to definitely step up to play that game of kill the colonizer. And <laughs> love that game. Uh, kill that colonizer. That's great. <laughs> All whammies. All whammies. Rend is due. It's the end of the month. Oh God! It's a colonizer <laughs> and a landlord. <laughs> <laughs> this thing's a true Double monster, whammy. as is most colonizers. <laughs>